Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we just go ahead another moment or two and give God some praise and worship. What a wonderful presence of the Lord that's in this place today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are who knows how many thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people that will have attended a church service today all around the world. Unfortunately for a great, great majority of them, it's simply no more than just a few moments of a religious service, a religious duty and an obligation. But I'm so glad to know today we have not come just to simply punch a clock for a religious duty, but we have come to have an encounter with the living God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. It's my privilege to be here this morning. Obviously, the last few months, I've gotten to be the chauffeur for Brother Morgan, so I've been here uh, a good amount, but it's always good to be here. And as Brother Bickley has already said, it's so great to have Sister Morgan and Colton in service with us this weekend. And uh, brother, brother Morgan, and I, I, I'm not just meaning this for flattery. I, I mean it. Brother Morgan is an awesome man of God, an awesome preacher. I have, I, I know some of you. This may bother some of you, but I, en- I enjoy listening to good preaching. I, you enjoy watching a good movie or going to a good ball game. What's wrong with enjoying good preaching? So I just, I kind of can't wait to see today since he's got his other half with us. I just got a feeling we're going to go to a whole new level here today. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. So without any, taking any further time, I want you to open your heart and your spirits to whatever the Lord wants to say and do in this place. There is such a wonderful presence of the Lord that's here and Mother Wright has already said God is trying to touch somebody and has, has, but I believe there's even more in this service that God's going to do. So, Brother Morgan, come. Thank you for being with us again this weekend. Clap your hands under the Lord and just give Him praise here today. Praise God. Well, the... The gauntlet has been thrown down, so if I do bad here today, it's because of her. If I do good here today, it's because of her, so honey, it's all up to you. Amen. Such an honor to be here and uh, feel feel a liberty of the Holy Ghost in this place today. I feel like the Lord wants to do something great here today. Amen. I know we say that, I know we hear it a lot, but never let it become mundane to you. Amen. God is here to do great things for us today. Amen. I agree. I agree 100% with Sister Wright when she said God doesn't love any one of us more than the other of us. He is not a respecter of persons. Amen. Doesn't matter who you are, what walk of life, what caliber, what mistakes, how good or how bad we are. 
For God so loved the world. He looked at us as a whole. He said, I love them all equally. I'm going to die for them all equally. I'm going to reach for them all equally. What makes us different is what we do with the love of Christ. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. It is possible for me to recognize and yield my life. And it's possible for you to recognize and run your life. It's in your hands what God does with your life. If you will yield it and let him mold it. If you will yield it and let him build it. If you will just say to God be the glory in everything and all things. And quit running from him and run to him today. Life's going to get a whole lot better. Life's going to get a whole lot better. Amen. 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 I give honor to this platform, the leadership, bishop, first lady, and your senior pastor, and all these great men of God on this platform. What an incredible team today. Amen. And uh, such a joy of mine to have my wife and my youngest here today. And I do concur, miracles are not a thing of the past. They are ever-present. They are among the church. Amen. I have witnessed God do great things in the past few months and believe in the Lord to continue to do great things. Amen. And uh, continue to hold us up in prayer. We go back to Southern California this week and uh, for the uh, for the update of the treatment and all of the above. And uh, we just know that God's got it. We just know that God's got it. Amen. Praise God. And uh, love them dearly. Uh, my wife and I joined hands almost 28 years ago. And uh, I get to do life with her, and that makes life just that much better. Amen. She is the better half. She is the greater half. And uh, she, uh, she keeps me in check. Her and the Holy Ghost have a full-time job. Thank you for being honest with me. The rest of you are hypocrites here today. Amen. Some of you husbands standing there so self-righteous and pious. You know what I'm talking about. Thank God for a good wife. And all the men say amen. Especially if you're standing next to yours. Some of the wives cut their eyes like. Amen. I want to preach today, uh, by the help of the Holy Ghost, something that is ingrained deeply, deeply in my spirit, and ask the uh, young people that were headed to their class to come back and join us uh, for a reason here today. And I, uh, I, want to, I want to move as quickly as I can and say what I've come to say and then get out of the way and let God do what only God has the power to do. And we need God to help us here today. Well... 2 Samuel chapter 12. If you will turn there with me, 2 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1. And I'm just going to read down through here. They can follow along. Great. If not, open your Bibles and follow me. And the Lord sent Nathan. Would you say he sent Nathan? And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, one rich, one poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him as his children. And he did eat with his own meat, drink his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler 
unto the rich man. And he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. I want you to notice verse number five with me. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said unto Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he hath no pity. And David said to David, and Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house, thy master's wives under thy bosom. I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore, Hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with his sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, here we go again, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. I will take thy wives from before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbors. He shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son, for thou didst it secretly. But I will do this thing before all of Israel and before all and before the son. Verse 13, And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. If there is a heaven-sent mandate to the apostolic people, especially young marrieds and our young people, it would be how to deal with life when you stumble. Now, I know that when you say failures and falls and sin... Everybody puts up that protective facade. And we're going to make sure that nobody knows we've stumbled. And nobody's going to know that we're weak or nobody's going to know that we're in a crisis. We have to protect our image, especially the spiritual among us. I, I, I get it. I, I get it. You don't want anybody to know that you did it. You don't want anybody to know that you're involved in it. You don't want anybody to know that you stooped that low. But the problem is when you come into the presence of God, to hide it is to die. And so we have to learn how to deal with failure. And the principle today that I want to preach to you, and I want everybody to look up here at me, failures are not final. And I feel what Sister Wright was alluding to today in our worship. God is here to do something great here today. And we're going to fall on the love of God so we don't, we don't, we don't respond like we should that we're going to fall on the love of God today. We're going to let God be God here today. Clap your hands and lift your voices and give God, give God a great praise.
You may be seated in Jesus' name. I don't have anything fancy to introduce this sermon today. I have looked through stories. I have a book that I pull from often about stories and quotes, quotations, famous states, and all this kind of stuff. But it just doesn't apply to such a heartfelt, such a God moment as something like this. If I could stand on the highest of platforms, if I could be heard through all of this present world to every ear, there is one message that I would enjoy, that I would like to preach to people, and that is how to deal with failure. I am a preacher that believes in the judgments of God. I am a preacher that believes in whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You will reap what you sow. If you sow to the whirlwind, if you sow to, to uh, sin, if you sow uh, to, to filthiness of flesh, of unrighteousness, of ungodliness, let me just tell you right up front, you're going to reap those kinds of things. If you plant an apple tree, you're going to have apples, not grapes. Hmm. If, if you, if you say it one way and plan on reaping it another way, you're living in a folly. It is just not possible. You will reap whatsoever you sow. You will reap whatsoever you sow. You cannot get away from the judgments of God. You cannot run far enough. You cannot dig the hole deep enough. You cannot amass enough wealth or accolades or fame or friends to hide from the hand of God. Don't get uncomfortable on me. Just hear me. You can't run to the highest mountains and get away from God. For whether shall I go from thy presence? You are everywhere. You are all places. You are to every man. There is no sea. There is no depth. There is no height that you are not ever present. You cannot get away from the hand of God. God sees all. God hears all. God witnesses all. You need to hear me today, lukewarm saint of God or backslider. Or let me just flip the coin and tell the righteous ones here today. We've all got to get a fresh revelation of what God viewed. Hallelujah. I, I, I don't want to depress you and I don't want to cause you to lose hope or lose faith. But I think that we have sugarcoated living for God to the point where God's people are beginning to think that we can live however we want to live and do whatever we want to do, say what we ever want to say, and there are no repercussions or judgments. I rise to this pulpit today and remind the church, there is judgment. You will reap whatsoever you sow. I wish I had some elders that would help me here today. You will reap whatsoever you sow. We've got this philosophy among us that we can live like the devil Monday through Saturday and become godlike on Sunday. It doesn't work that way. Whatever you do when nobody sees you, God records. Whatever you think when you don't speak it, God records. God sees it all. He says, I know the thoughts of a man before they become words or actions. Somebody help me here today. If we don't fall on the mercies of God, if we don't fall on the grace of God, if we don't understand how much God loves us, this will kill the church. 
The hardest thing is not to the lukewarm. The hardest thing is not to the center of the visitor here today. The hardest ones to preach this up to or about today are the ones that claim to be righteous and holy and godly, but they are overtaken in their weakness or their faults or their failures. And in the Pentecostal church, we do not know how to deal with failures. I know we're in revival and I'm coming to realize that you, you, you can waste a whole lot of time trying to pray people through if the body of believers is not healthy enough to keep them when you do. Woo! Let me, let me just, let me just take a pause at it. I understand who I'm preaching to here today, but Arnold needs to hear this on Sunday morning too. You have responsibility to this revival. This just isn't the Thursday night or the Sunday night revival. This is Sunday morning revival too. And you need the responsibility and ownership of this revival. Hallelujah. Hey, Peter, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, you know I do. Hey, Peter, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, you know I do. Lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, you know I do. And it made Peter mad when he asked him the third time. And I understand. I may need some help here today. I understand how the filio and the agape... And what's the third hero? I understand the three dimensions of love or the three types of love. And all of that is contextually truth. I, I like that. I agree with that. But that's not all the scripture has to say. He said, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, you know I do. Feed my sheep. Yea, Lord, you know I do. Feed my lambs. Yea, Lord, you know I do. Feed my sheep. Twice he says, feed sheep. Once he says, feed my lambs. When I begin to look at this, I've come to realize it is impossible Hear me, it is impossible for humans to feed sheep or lambs. I know, I figured it'd get quiet, just hear me. If you have a healthy sheepfold, if you have a protected sheepfold, they will produce by divine nature babies. But when you have an unhealthy or unprotected when things can walk among us at will and we act like everything's fine when it's not, it is impossible for lambs to survive. I'm tired of praying folks through on Sunday and never seeing them again. I'm... Oh God, help me here today. The grace of Jesus Christ is more than a feel-good sensation. The witness of the Holy Ghost is more than a one-time trip to an altar. It is a life-changing, life-sustaining, eternal, redemptive plan. It doesn't grow weak with use. It doesn't get outdated with time. It's still salvational. It's still eternal. And if you get the Holy Ghost today, it'll take you to the rapture. It'll take you to the grave and to the rapture. You hear me today? If we ever fall in love with Calvary like we're supposed to and fall in love with each other like we're mandated to and reach to the world like we're scripturally mandated to, we'll fill this church and ten more like them. We'll fill auditoriums. We'll... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lovest thou me? You know I do. I want you to feed my sheep. Lovest thou me? You know I do. I want you to protect my sheep. And if my sheep feel loved and protected, they will by nature reproduce lambs. And sheep feed lambs. 
There is no gimmick. You hear me? There is no gimmick to praying people through. There's no program to praying people through. If the message of salvation is preached, if the message of salvation is reciprocated, folks will get the Holy Ghost. If the environment is right, if the atmosphere is conducive, they will get the Holy Ghost. But when you got household against household and brother against brother, and you've got this issue and that issue, you're killing them before they have a chance to live. So what do we do? We've got to learn how to handle our crisis. We've got to learn how to handle our shortcomings. We've got to stop letting the devil destroy us. We've got to get those thoughts out of our mind. Yes, I have a weakness. Yes, I stumbled. Yes, I have human frailty. But I refuse to let that keep me from the hand of God. I refuse to be over... If I could preach one thing to every Pentecostal in the entire world, I would preach to them about the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Repentance is a one-time gift to a sinner, but it is a restoration ministry to the church. Mm, I'll say it again. Repentance is a one-time gift to a sinner, but it is a restoration ministry to the church. Repentance is not a bad thing. I said repenting is not a bad thing. Repenting is not a bad thing. Paul, the great preacher, said, I do it every day that I live. I die daily. Every time I pray, I repent. Every time I bow my knees, I repent. Why? Because I know him. He'll not turn a deaf ear to somebody that's serious. He... Come on, we need to clap our hands right now and give God some praise. Now, I want to be clearly mis- or understood, not misunderstood here today. I'm not preaching a license to sin. These things write I unto you, little children. The first law of Christianity, do not sin. Did you get me? Don't do it. Young man, don't do it. Married couples, do not do it. Mom and dad, do not do it. The things I write unto you little children that you sin not. That's the important part. But equally as is important. But if you do, if you do, if you do stumble, you have an advocate with God the Father. You have a you have a divine appointment with the Holy Ghost. Don't hide it. Don't run from it. He's not gonna kill you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to talk to you. He I got a feeling if we would fess up and get honest on this Sunday morning service, the revival of souls would commence today. We would see God do great things today. Stop hiding your sin. God, God is not in the business of killing us over our frailty or humanity. Oh my God. I was preaching. 
I was preaching in a church recently, and uh, we had gone on a revival about uh, three or four months, two or three months, and, and we just kept nudging something, and we'd hit a, a ceiling, we'd fall back. And so I began to inquire the Lord, well, what is this? Why, why can't we seem to break through? And he said, because of sin. I said, okay, well, I'm glad it's not anything more difficult than that because sin is the easiest of all. Because it has so little to do with me or you or them. But it has everything to do with you and him. I know, you're getting quiet. That's okay. And so I got to preaching. Church got to respond and we, we hit that moment. The Holy Ghost said, tell them, tell them there's adultery here. I said, okay, it's easy. I said, one of the reasons we're not breaking through is because of adultery. That old sin of flesh, out of control, lust and desire. And you would have thought somebody put a water hose to that thing. Because it died fast. And so I thought, "Mm, well, Lord, you you were right. (laughs) Not that I doubted you, but it's kind of neat to see how quick. And so I preached about five or ten more minutes. And church got to trying to build back up. And. And he said, tell them it's on the platform. And so I paused and I said, it's not just in the congregation. I said, but it's on the platform. It's in leadership. It's at the highest level. And man, you would have thought, well, I guess you can think what happened. It just never quite got back. And that was on a Sunday night. And I was scheduled to keep going for several more weeks. And when I got to the office, leadership met me. And they said, hey, uh, Instead of buying your ticket next week, hold off. We got some things scheduled and we'll get right back to you. And we'll, we'll keep going here, but we'll, we'll get back to you. And I said, Hey, hey, no problem. You just let me know. I went on back home and kept pastoring my, well, help my wife pastor that church and, and never, never heard back from them. And I have yet to preach and I know I'm alive and maybe it'll get back to them and they'll realize what God did. And they never called me back. And it wasn't, but just a few months later that it was found out. And the church went through a major, major, major crisis. Listen to me. It was not God's will for that to be disclosed to the world. It was not God's will for that man to be broken like he's broken right now. God reached for him. God reached for them. But how you respond when the searchlight of heaven is shined upon you determines success or failure. Your failure is not final unless you make it final. Your failure is not forever unless you make it forever. But when the searchlight of heaven hits me and I realize thou knowest, thou seest, thou hearest all, I can't run from you. I need God, I feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. But He's here to heal. He's here to uplift. He's here to fix what's broken in your life. Don't run with your failure from God. Run with your failure to God. God would help me preach what I really feel deep in my spirit today. We are living in a, in a, in a crucial moment. We are living in perilous times. I'm not here to debate the coming of the rapture other than it's coming. And if you believe it's coming after the trip, it's probably not. If you believe mid, it's probably not. I just kind of believe the philosophy. He's going to do it when he wants to do it. 
That's deep stuff right there. In the hour you think not. Well, I got time. The tribulation not started. Yeah, well, get ready. He's coming. And you're going to wait till I, you get my point. He's God. He's just going to do it when he wants to and how he wants to do it. But I do know this. Right before his coming, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes and diverse places. There's going to be increase of demonic spirits. There's going to be famines. There's going to be hurts. And there's going to be woes. And all of these are just the beginning of sorrows. But it's not yet. And we have lived through that cycle or season. Breaking news last night. North Korea fired another missile into the air. Now, this morning, I read where um, the United States and South Korea are going to implement the ballistic missile defense system in South Korea. That's going to lead us to trouble. Right or wrong, hear me, right or wrong, it's going to lead us to trouble. He said, I'll put a hook in that bear's nose and I'll bring him down from up north and I'll plant him in the valley of my people. Now in Libya, Russia has an airspace. Now in Libya, Russia has, has a, a military post for the first time ever. The hook has been given. He, she has been drugged down to where God wants her. Are you listening to me? Those are the things that don't worry me much. Here's what worries me. Dark bedrooms and men. Did you hear quite a God? My old pastor used to say, son, when you put the oil where the squeak is, it'll get quiet. That's what that gray hair got me. Wisdom. You might as well laugh. Laugh's a good deflector. You know what scares me in the church? We don't talk about pornography. We don't talk about fleshly things. We just want a war against spirits and principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. But we are letting a generation of believers rise amongst us that has sin at its fingertip. And we don't want to talk about the real issues of life. And we have young men that are trying to aspire to the ministry that are addicted. They are knee deep. They are in trouble with pornography. Oh, here we go. And we have young couples that have been so inundated with Hollywood's definition of marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Not two women and a man. Not two men and a woman. Not two men or two women. I know, it's okay, I'm just going to say it anyway. That's not the definition of marriage. Marriage is built and designed by God. It belongs to God. God made it, He'll keep it. I told you, I feel a mandate in my spirit today to tell this church, failures are not final. I'm sick. I am sick in my spirit at the definition that Hollywood places on what is honor and what is ethics and what is right. And now we've got Pentecostal young couples that are falling in love with the ideology of what Hollywood puts as marriage. Hear me. And as long as we can come in here and act like we're supposed to act and pray like we're supposed to pray 
and worship like we're supposed to worship. We call good, good. And we call bad, bad. But the truth of the matter is we're calling good, bad, and bad, good. Because if we are not healthy, if we are not reproducing, it's okay. Maybe I won't be here tonight. Maybe this may be my last sermon here today. But if we are not where we're supposed to be, we will not by divine nature reproduce like we're supposed to reproduce. I believe, I believe in the guy coming that's a harvester. You hear me? I believe in the harvest ministry. But you can harvest bad fruit with good fruit. And the bad fruit will spoil the good fruit. But if we will allow the Holy Ghost to send men into the field at the right time. God is organizing a day of this church. God is organizing a divine day for this church. God is building this church. God is going to cleanse this church. God is going to keep this church. Come on, congregation. Come on, Sunday morning church. You better hear me today. You can be seated for a minute. A few years ago, a few years ago, Snapchat came out, or however long ago it was. And I know I'm outdated and old fogey and out of, out of date. I get all that. But Snapchat came out. And so I asked my boys, I said, what's Snapchat? And they said, well, you're able to take pictures or send text. And when you open it, you have a few seconds to read it. And it disappears. That's all I need to hear. I walked to the church. God let me pastor. And I said, if you're here and I am your shepherd, you delete Snapchat. Some did and some didn't. Because we've got too many people that think they don't need the voice of the shepherd. I want revival as much as the next guy. What we're calling revival is a reviving of the body to where it becomes so healthy that she by divine nature will reproduce of itself. I'm not talking just about shouting and, and flipping and flopping for a week or two or six or eight. I'm talking about where you are birthed. You are supernaturally moved into a new dimension where you never go back to complacency and lethargy. Where you say, this is the hour of my local church. This is the hour of my life. I will not go back. Man of God, lead me. I will not. See, one, two, three, four. Some of you are waiting on the plug to be pulled of this revival. And you're going to try to slide right back into what God's trying to drag you out of. I got news for you. They're never going to let this church go back. They're never going to let this church die. They will not do this. That's why hell's trying to destroy. That's why hell's trying to supplant. But that won't even work. Greater is he that is in us than... Four years, I was a youth pastor, 92 to 96 on the West Coast. My wife and I took a handful of young people, and when we left, we had a little over 400. We had a revival in 90 days where we baptized and prayed through 100 young people. We didn't have an evangelist do it. 
God helped us put something together. God blessed it. And the young people responded. And we've seen a great harvest of young people. I'm not ignorant when it comes to young people. I'm raising four sons. I'm not ignorant to being a father. However, I am worried. Well, kids are going to be kids. You better believe they are. And mine are no different than yours. Well, yeah, they are. Because they live in glass houses and have to play with saints' kids. I'll let that one sink in a minute. I found a very unique... Just follow me today, will you? I found a very unique thing. I don't know why I'm saying all this, but it feels good. When Israel would go to war or when they were attacked, their first, their first action was to take the rosebuds and put them in the center of the camp. And 12 tribes surrounded the rosebuds. And when they were attacked or they were staging war, they put the rosebuds in the middle and everybody else flanked it. And they would march or they would go to war. You know what the rosebuds were? The priest kids. Because Israel knew they had no future without the preacher's kids. No, they're probably not perfect, but they're preacher's kids. Uh, I just feel a little something, something here right now. They're preacher's kids. Protect them, don't kill them. A birthday should never come where you don't recognize the preacher's kids. An event should never come where you don't recognize the preacher's kids. We get it all. We're up there. We get to vent everything from that pulpit. But they live. Stay with me. And so, fatherhood, people, we are in a generation where by the click of a phone. Now, don't judge me. But when I was a kid, and you want to see a dirty picture. Somebody had to go to the store. I'm real. Can you be? You ever tried to hide a dirty magazine from your mom and dad? Yeah, some of you men going. Just, just sit up straight. It's okay. So we're going to deal with today. We're going to deal with the reason why you're trying to hide it, not fess it. I mean, it was impossible because my mother had a built-in radar. I'm going to tell you right now, my mom would walk into our rooms and she'd turn the bed upside down. She'd say, what's yours is mine. Anything in here belongs to me. And mama would walk in and flip drawers out, flip them upside down, lift mattresses, peel the sheets back. Now we get children, young people, with the ability to do more than that. And we got parents saying, well, that's their privacy. And we put passcodes on the gates of hell. Yeah. Let me just tell you how it is in my house. I pay your bill. I walk all through your phone. You better believe it. And if I see you got a passcode into something I can't get access to, I'll break it. 
I will throw it on the floor. I will stomp on it. I will cancel your contract. I don't care what Verizon charges me. Young people, you do not need to make a safe heaven for sin. You need to figure out how to handle it. And the quicker you figure this out. I don't mean to embarrass them, but I got a 26-year-old and a 24-year-old, and I know their passcodes. And I don't care if they marry and move out. If I think there's something up, I will charge There'll be no trumpet. There'll be no warning. I will come at you like a demon out of heaven. Let me tell you what I do. I take all my electronic devices and I take them to the love of my life. And I say, this is my passcode. It will never change. I don't have a vault on my phone that she doesn't have the passcode to. I don't have programs on my iPad or phone that she doesn't have access to. We share everything. And there are times when she'll just start clicking buttons going through my phone. And it doesn't offend me. And it doesn't scare me. And I don't tell her that's my personal property. Get out of that. Oh, no. No, no. That's building a safe heaven for failure. You want to know why six or eight can come up here and be seeking the Holy Ghost and then leave without the Holy Ghost? We got too many of God's people that are living under the shadow of guilt and condemnation when they ought not have to. You need to learn how to handle your business. And your business needs to become his business. And his business is at the cross. We ought to stand and clap our hands. We ought to stand and exercise faith. here right now if God is ready I'm ready let it build right now let's don't hurry this moment months ago a few months ago Snapchat released an article that said we have billions and billions of pictures we will release them because your property is our property and as of just a few months ago Snapchat started releasing pictures that people thought were private and erased themselves to the general public Oh, preacher, that's just one thing. No, it's a principle. That the devil is a wise old fox. And he builds things and traps 
to get good people to fall and stay falling. And so God has to build something counterproductive. He has to build the balancing act to that. And he says, because sin is sin, and you cannot escape the judgment part, I have to build something to handle it to my advantage and not to your disadvantage. One of the greatest stories of the Old Testament is Second Samuel 12. David is one of my greatest Old Testament heroes. The man after God's own heart. The shepherd boy that defeated Goliath. The guy that could build, build or kill a, 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 a lion and a bear and do it with a slingshot. Humble. Um, um, loves God. Could write songs. Could play the harp. Just a good guy. But boy, could he dance before God. I mean, could he forevermore sing and write a song? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What a song. I will magnify the Lord at all times. His praise shall continuously be in my mouth. What a state. David, 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 David. But there is a side of David. There is a hidden side of David. There's a dark side of David. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the little boy that was on the shepherd's staff. The little boy that was on the shepherd's field. The little boy that was so rudy or ugly or had disadvantage that he could not even be brought with his brothers. Uh huh. It's amazing. It's amazing how dedicated your enemy is to your destruction. God help me for the next 10 minutes. It's amazing how dedicated your enemy is to your destruction. He'll let you write songs as long as you never deal with the dark side. He'll let you shout as long as you never disclose your weakness. Just because you can talk in tongues doesn't mean flip. It's how you handle yourself when nobody's looking. Thank you, sis. It's what you do when mom and dad are gone and the house is yours and the internet has no codes or blocks. Young couple, it's what you do when you take your weekend away and there's nobody that holds you accountable. Uh, uh, uh. Oh my. Oh my. We just found something. Mm. You slide right back up in and act like everything's fine. But here's the tall tale sign it's how you respond to others' faults that tells the story about yours. Watch the guy that's always pointing out the other's weakness. Watch the spiritual guru that's always bringing to light everybody else's faults and failures. They're only doing it to cover their own. Because somebody that has a weakness that's been dealt with understands how awesome the grace and the love of God can be. And they don't want to see you overtaken in it. They want to see you overcome it. And when I am overtaken in a sin or weakness, please don't kill me. Please don't drive me from the church. But ye that see it, come to me. Help me. Bring me back to the cross. Don't let me die. Don't let me be a hypocrite. Don't let me go to hell. Don't let me. Come on, clap your hands. 
God is at work in this church. had a fellow start coming to me years and years ago and he'd say I'm only telling you this because you're the pastor and I thought oh well, he's a good guy he, he loves these people and I'd say well tell me he'd say so and so and he'd tell me about it I'd say oh man thank you thank you my God bless you and man, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't know that and then I would make it my business to fix it God doesn't need just my help to fix things. He is capable of fixing most by himself. I know, I know that kind of sets it odd with us how we feel about the pastor in my life. And yeah, he's there to yank a knot in your tail when it needs it. He's there to discipline you when it's needed. He's there to rebuke you when it's necessary. And God will and God does equip him and use him to do that. But I kind of think that's God's last resort. Not God's first resort. Here's how I think God handles his business. Psst. He'll get a little closer. Hey, you're not listening to me. I want to help you. I want to fix you. Hey, come on. Please don't sit there. Okay. Okay, that's how you're going to do it. Hey, man of God, on Thursday night, I want you to talk about adultery. I want you to warn them generally. And he reaches and reaches and reaches and reaches but the devil doesn't preach it like that he says if you mess up you're done if you fall it's over with God don't love you God can't yeah I hit it there didn't I I am so tired of the failure of hell's message or the message of hell being failure is final it's over that's not true that's just not true that's not biblically correct not true you hear me it's not true it's not true it's not true I write into you that you don't but if you do we have a conversation coming David I'm going to give you the kingdom David I'm going to bless you beyond measure David I'm going to give you wealth prosperity anything you want I'm going to give it to you and so David takes the throne and he's a great man but there's one verse 
in the beginning of this calamity that says there was a time when kings went forth to battle and David went not. The next time your pastor calls a church prayer meeting and you don't come, Bathsheba will be waiting on you. I want you to hear what I'm fixing to say. Anytime you're not where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, Bathsheba is cleaning herself up for you. Oh, it's not important. It's just youth prayer. It's just youth service. It's just a youth event. And parents start saying, you don't have to go. And prayer meetings come and we say, we're too busy. I told you I had something to preach to you today. We're just too busy. It's not important. Get ready. Because when you abort or negate where you're supposed to be or doing what you've been mandated to do, Bathsheba is putting on her best dress. Oh, it didn't start. It didn't start with David's full of lust heart. It didn't start with David being aroused out of control. It started when all the other kings went to battle and David thought he didn't have to do it. The calamity of David's life started with a simple decision. Nobody can tell me what to do. I want every young person that's in this church or your youth department to stand today. Every young person, would you stand? Whatever your age group is, what's your youth age? 12 to... 12 to whenever you think you're old. <laughs> I want you to listen to me and listen close to me. Don't you ever, ever let yourself get to a place where you have nobody that can tell you no and you not listen. Phone, iPad, computer, anything and everything must have a Nathan connected to them. Well, I'm 19. I work. I got my own money. Who in the world do you think you are, David? I don't care if you're the king. You still have need of a Nathan. Huh? Something's got to happen today. Uh, something's got to happen to this Sunday morning church. Something's got to break something in this place today to make you realize how important it is for you to quit playing at church and start becoming the church. Every young couple, every young couple been married less than 20 years, stand. If you're here and you've been married less than 20 years, stand. The greatest of crisis in our churches is among y'all. We're always preaching our young people, but we have very little to say about to you folks. The greatest crisis is among you because you are just in that in-between stage. We don't call you old enough to make good decisions, but you're definitely not young enough to be in the youth department. So you're just kind of... And the truth of the matter is, you're the most valuable possession this church has. 
And the devil knows it. And the devil's going to do everything he can to destroy you. He wants you to flirt with things. He wants you to break the vow of marriage. He wants you to bring other things into the wedding bed. You hear me? You hear me today. You need a Nathan. You need somebody to look at you and say, no. No, you don't do that. And you don't do that. If you don't fall in love with what I'm preaching today, we're in trouble. Because hell has set its greatest of targets on you. Hell wants you. That's why Hollywood's full of you. That's why it portrays images and lifestyles that is so unbiblical. But it's trying to baptize you. He wants your thinking. Because if it gets you, the babies that you bring into this world, you're going to teach them those things. You may be seated. David sat on the throne, high and mighty. He was powerful. He was anointed. He was equipped. And then there was a day when he didn't go to battle. And all the other kings were out fighting. And David walked to the roof of his house, drinking a hot tea. And he looked over. And on top of the roof of another home, across the fence, beyond the wall of no trespassing, I'm not yours. This is not right. Please don't do this. Please don't treat me like a commodity. Please don't view me through the lens of which you put on. She stood. And the Bible says when he saw her, he desired her. And he took her. What you see will always make you desire. And what you desire, you will take. That's why you better be careful with the internet. He took her and spent the night together. She went home the next morning. Nobody, nobody knew it. Six, eight weeks later, she sent a messenger to David and said, I'm pregnant. And David said, well, congratulations. Hope you and your happy, husband are happy. She said, no. David, it's not like that. My husband is fighting your battle. He hadn't been home. And it dawned on David. If I'd have been where I should have been. If I'd have been doing what I was supposed to do. I wouldn't have had this calamity. Now watch me. Just because I'm not screaming don't mean I'm not preaching. And he did what most Pentecostals do. He tried to cover it. It's what we do. We fall, we have a mistake, we stumble, we mess up. We don't, we don't come to the cross, we don't confess it, we don't call a fast, we don't call a solemn assembly. We dress it. We cover it. We hide it. We try to act like it's non-existent and nobody knows. We forget. There's an eye watching you. There's an eye 
watching you. And so David didn't just commit adultery. He didn't just not go to war. He then called for Uriah to come home. He meets with Uriah. He says, I just want to commend you on your battle strategy. Your, your commander has complimented you. And I wanted you to know he pinned the bronze star on him. He gave him the silver medal. He, he made him feel special. And he says, now why don't you go on home for a night or two and before you go back to war. And the little humble servant nodded his head and walked out of David's kingdom. And he could not go home. And the Bible says they found him on the porch of David's house. You can't hide it from God. God will move all the right players into your life that block you on every turn. Because he's more concerned about your salvation than he is your credibility. Yes, he is. And so... A little, little fellow didn't go home and David found out about it. He said, come, come, come back to me. And he writes a letter and he puts the royal seal on it where it can't be opened. And in the letter it says, take Uriah and put him on the front line. And when the battle is hot, retreat from him and leave him to die. Watch David, the man after God's own heart, the great psalmist, the key of David, the genealogy of Jesus is a lying conniving, murdering, adulterer. And he's sitting so pious on the throne, writing more worship courses. Leading the people. Telling them what to do. And all of a sudden, Nathan walks in to David's life. And he says, you got a minute? And David said, oh, for you, I have all the time in the world. And Nathan said, I want to tell you a little story. There was in a city two men. One guy had a lot, and the other guy had few. He didn't have much, David. But when the guy that had a lot had a visitor, he didn't take from his plenty. He took the man's one. Watch me. And because David was already guilty of sin, he was ready to judge another man's sin with no mercy. Watch those folk. You do not want to go to Starbucks with somebody that wants to kill people because they messed up. Not me. Because I know that more than likely between now and the rapture, I'm going to dirty my knees and I don't want them anywhere near me. Just need an amen or no me. I have no time for those kind of people. And so what did David do? He jumps up off the throne. He's mad, honey. He is so angry. He was righteous. He was angry. He jumps up and says, whoever he is, I will demand him repay fourfold. Killing where he stands. No mercy. And the Bible says that Nathan stood there a moment, letting David rant. And he pulled himself up and looked at the king, the man after God's own heart, and said, you're him. You're the man. You sinned. And listen to me carefully. From that statement down, it is a continual barrage of judgments. It is calamity. It is crisis. It is 
I have given thee everything. I blessed you beyond measure. I gave you your friends. I gave you their wealth. I gave you wives. I gave you cars and horses. And if that had not been enough, watch me, watch me. We're so angry at God for wanting to kill David, but watch what God did for David. I gave you everything you wanted. I loved you without measure. I blessed you abundantly. I made you above and not beneath, the head and not the tail. And look what you did. You got a little arrogant and cocky about the cross. You thought the cross owed things to you and vice versa. You owe the cross everything. And so David said, what are you telling me? And Nathan said, as of this moment right here, listen to me, as of this moment right now, you are no longer going to be the king. God is going to take everything from you. He's going to give it to your neighbors. Your wives will be taken and given to your neighbors. Your wealth, all that you possess will be given. And the Bible then states, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will rise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives from before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the side of his son. Stay with me, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the son. Verse 13 is the most powerful verse in the entire Old Testament. None powerful. None more powerful than that right there. While Nathan is in his heyday, while Nathan is sweating and he's preaching fervently, forgiving David what God's going to do to him in judgment, David just stands up and says, I have sinned against the Lord. Watch. And Nathan said to David, the Lord forgive thee. The judgment's not done. But David realizes, I can stop this. I know what to do. I know how to handle this. If I hide, if I sit here and act like he's not talking to me, all of this, all of this comes to me. So watch, while Nathan is preaching judgment, David says, I sinned against you, God. And before David could finish, the Lord says, I forgive thee. Really, come on, seriously. Quit waiting on the men of God to figure it out. Quit waiting on pastor or bishop to come to you and yank it. No, don't do it that way. Just understand, I am preaching to you. God is preaching for you. And if you want to stop the mess, jump to your feet. Throw your hands in the air and say, I have sinned. You ever wonder, you can stay standing. Ever 
wonder why. Ever wonder why David is the man after God's own heart? I know the key of David, the house of David, the lineage, the genealogy. I, I understand. But you ever wonder why David is the man after God's own heart? Could it be? Could it be? That one of the reasons that David is the man after or like God's heart is that David knew what to do when it was time to do. See, the hardest part about preaching this sermon is not preaching the sermon, it's making the altar call. Because you still have the tendency to hide. Because the minute you say failure, sin, weakness, and you fess up, we among us, our culture, we mark you. That's a weak man. We praise, we praise and acknowledge hypocrisy. We condemn and step on purity. Oh, you're better off just lying about it as long as you shout when I preach hard. But the truth of the matter is when there's souls in the altars needing the Holy Ghost, you don't have enough faith nor atmosphere to help carry them over. So you know what I say? Give me the marked man because his heart is after God's heart. Call me weak if you must. I just know this. When I stumble, I shall not utterly be condemned for the Lord upholdeth me with his hand. Thank you, sir. You know what David really said? Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities. Cleanse me from my sin. For I, for I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. Come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me. Purge me. Come on, pray. Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me. And I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out my transgressions. Create in me. Come on, pray with me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Here it is, God. Cast me not away. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy. Well.
you do, do not cast me. Purge me, cleanse me, wash me, just don't cast me away. Come on couples, nobody's going to judge you today. Come on young people, there's no judgment here today. Come on sir, there's no judgment here today. There's no judgment in this altar today. That gives me strength. That's it. Come on. Never. Oh, it. Get that brother right there. And it, flows and it flows to the lowest west valley. Well, it's the blood that gives me strength. Come on, church. Gives me strength. This is your moment. You don't have to hide now. You don't have to act like it's an existent. This is your moment to throw your hands up and say, Purge me. Cleanse me. Wash me. But whatever you do, do not take me from your presence. Don't ever let me walk from your presence. Don't ever let me get too far from your presence. to the Never, 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 
You're seeking the Holy Ghost. It's God's will for them to leave full of the Holy Ghost. I know that it reaches to the highest. There's no place your love and your grace does not go. And I know that it flows. There's no deep place to the Lord. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. just a minute never. hang on just a minute hey over here to my left look i want you to help me i want everybody here i want all you i want you to come here get out of the wing i want everybody over there to come in here get out of the wing come on i need you to trust me here get get get, get right in the front here get together come on you're okay just get comfortable Press in. Got a big hole right here. Got a big hole right here. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. I, I'm a stickler for symbolism. Symbolism. Sometimes you can get folk that want to hang out over there. It's kind of an excuse not to be. We're here now. And we're going to cry loud. Right. And we're going to say this. Wash me. Purge me. Cleanse me, but don't cast me. <laughs> you can do to me whatever you want. Just don't cast yes. me away. Hallelujah. Purge me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Don't cast me. You ready? Lift your hands. We are the people of God. Our oh, failures are not final. Hallelujah. Yes, I messed up. Yes, I stumbled. Yes, I tried to hide some junk, but no more. I stand in your presence. 
I stand in your presence. I'm in your midst right now. I am here, ready, ready. Deal with me, but just don't cast me. Of Jesus, what can make you be again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood. Help me pray, church. Yeah. 
notable miracles going on in this altar today. Most of them are internal and not external. But don't you doubt for one minute that there are not notable miracles going on here today. Don't hurry this moment, church. Don't hurry yourself from His presence. That makes me white. No other, no other fount that I know.
somebody ought to say it. Thank God for. 